Well, good evening. When I discussed with Josh about preaching this week, uh, you know, we're kind of in between series as we just wrapped up a, 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 the Focus in February series, uh, and next week we start a new series. Um, so I got to choose whatever, whatever I want, uh, which is a lot of power <laughs> uh, and a lot of responsibility. Um, so when I was praying over what should I preach, what, what do I want to talk about, um, what passage do, do I want to preach from, uh, and what passage do I want to preach? Uh, I chose Ephesians 4, uh, 4 through 16. Um, and I prayed over this passage and I felt that, you know, it, it kind of went two ways. It, it complimented Josh's sermon this morning uh, about the Satan, uh, the deceiver. And it also is a passage that speaks to the life of the believer and to the mission of the church. Uh, but as I continued on in my study of this passage, uh, I quickly realized that, you know, chapter four, I, I really have to go back to verse 13 as well uh, to, to get the whole picture of what's going on here, uh, to get the context. And then I did a little more studying and I realized, well, now verse 12, I need that one too. And verse 11. So here we are now. If you'll just bear with me for the next two hours, we're going to go through the entire book of Ephesians. And it's daylight saving, so I have a whole extra hour before you guys are really tired. Um, <laughs> no, but alas, we'll, we'll, we're going to focus on Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. So if you would, take out your Bibles and read with me. Starting in verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed about by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love with the proper working of each individual part. I've got three points tonight, and all of those points are cent centered around one central theme. What Paul is talking about in this letter to the church at Ephesus is he's talking about church unity and building up of believers for the purpose of church unity. Notice here in verse 12, he speaks of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, but why? To, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of God's Son. So my first point tonight is that we are equipped to be spiritually mature. Our equipping, the equipping of the believer is an expectation of spiritual maturity. You see this right here in, in verse 14. It says, then we will no longer be little children. See, once we were children, there was a time when we were little children, maybe when we first began believing, but when we continue on in faith, when we are equipped in the word, when we are equipped as believers, there's an expectation of maturity that we aren't children anymore, 
that there's growth, and growth is a necessary element to the life of the believer. This takes me, I think, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. And I'll read from there. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as, a, as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not fleshly. And you are not walking like mere men. For when one says, I am Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to teach one, I planted Apollos, I planted and Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. See, God's works in the life of the believer by building us up into growth. Mature believers aren't supposed to act like children anymore. You know, one really great thing that we have going on in our church right now is, is how many little children we have. <laughs> you just wait about five minutes after service ends on, on a Sunday morning and see what happens. And all across here, you've got like it's like they have a, a, little, a little parade and they just run in circles. They're just running. It's great. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, I remember a, a few months ago, uh, one, one kid in particular, uh, he was wearing a backpack and he was chasing some of the older kids who were just you know, running up to and fro. Uh, and the backpack probably wasn't too heavy uh, just because he's a little kid who's barely learning to walk. Uh, but it just caused him to lose his balance. And so as these kids would, would run up and down, he would, he would try to chase them and he'd, he'd stumble and he'd fall over and he'd stand back up and like no loss of spirit. He'd, he'd take like a few more steps and he'd stumble and fall over and he'd get back up and the same thing, he'd just go and stumble and fall over. And because he's, you know, one and a half, two years old, we're like, oh, that's, that's cute. That's, that's, it's a little kid in the backpack stumbling and trying to walk. But if I walked out that door tonight to leave, to go to my car, and I take five steps and I stumble, and I get back up and I take five more steps and I stumble and fall, nobody's thinking, oh, that's cute, Andrew, you're, you're learning how to walk. <laughs> nobody's thinking that. Though maybe, I, maybe I'd be able to finally preach from a stool. <laughs> but no one would say, Oh, Andrew, he's learning to walk. Give him, give him, some, give him some time. He'll, he'll figure it out. No, because I'm an adult, and adults don't struggle to walk like children do. And so what is acceptable behavior for children is not acceptable behavior for mature adults. The same thing is true of us as believers in the church. We should be growing in our faith. We should not be stumbling over the same things that we stumbled over when we first believed. We should be more unified in the church than we were when we first believed. The, the purpose of equipping in the church is for much spiritual maturity, that we are no longer children. And being no longer children, we don't act like children anymore. 
We act like adults and, and we have spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is the sign of life in the believer. Now look back at the passage here. Verse 14, carrying on. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown by every wind of teaching and human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So you see, what do you see of children? You see two things. You see the children are tossed about by every wave and they're deceived. But we are not like the children. We are not tossed about by every wave. When I think about tossed about by every wave, is there a better example of somebody who wasn't tossed about by every wave than Job? Someone who in his life faced every wave of trial that we could imagine? Or even Paul writing this, right? Not long after literally facing the waves and a storm and shipwrecking, Right? Paul was in a shipwreck prior to writing this letter in Ephesus. So he knew about facing waves and, trust, and trusting Jesus. Or you think of maybe the disciples who, when they faced the waves on the Sea of Galilee, on the boat with Jesus, who they began to doubt. You see the response there, the response to trials is the test of spiritual maturity. Mature believers are not tossed to and fro by every wave. And secondly, mature believers are not deceived by human cunning. Mature believers are not deceived by false doctrine because as verse 13 here tells us, they have grown in the knowledge of Christ. They are connected to their Bibles. They are rooted in their knowledge of God's word. The mature believer is like a banker who can identify a counterfeit bill, not because he knows everything about the counterfeit, but because he has studied the real thing. The mature believer should be so rooted in the word of God that the word of God is the standard, the standard for teaching and doctrine in my teaching tonight, or Josh in any time he preaches, or any of the pastors here, any time they preach, Mature believers in the church should be measuring that teaching against the word of God. Is our teaching consistent with the teaching of scripture? The mature believer thinks that way. The mature believer is, is critical in thinking, critical in analyzing if something is biblical or unbiblical. On the other hand, immature believers are deceived. And notice here, the word Paul uses is deceived. It's a, it's a passive verb. It's something that's done to them, right? They are being deceived by human cunning. When you aren't rooted in God's word, you're vulnerable to deception. When you aren't spending time reading, learning God's word, spending time daily in the word of God, you're vulnerable to deception, to things that may sound right, but are a lie because they're apart from, from God's word. In 2018, uh, over the summer, my friend Ben and I, uh, we took a road trip to the Canadian Rockies, uh, and it was a long drive. We probably drove 30 hours, 
before it was all said and done just to get there. Uh, and we went on a, a hiking trip. So we spent about 18 days uh, in various parts of uh, the Canadian Rockies hiking. And well, one trail specifically we did was about a five-day trail. So we parked our car. It's a loop. It goes over several mountain passes. Uh, and it was about five days in total. So we had to pack all of our food, all of our you know, shelter, changes of clothes, anything we needed for five days. We, we had to, to pack up and go. We had a map. Uh, and you know, we started, and this trail is like, man, this is really well-marked. Uh, wide trail. Uh, two days later, we find ourselves kind of cutting through bushes. Because <laughs> apparently not, not too many people decided to do the full five days. And so the path wasn't nearly as, as, as well marked down the road. We got to a point where the trail crossed a river. And so we had to kind of wade across. It wasn't, it's not uncommon. Uh, up there to have to cross a river. So we waded across and we saw where it, you know, it went on the other side. Like, okay, cool, it's, it's there. We didn't consult our map because you know, we can see the trail pretty clearly. And we just began walking down that path. And about an hour and a half later, that path was getting thinner and thinner. And it was looking less like a path. But every turn, we had to convince ourselves that no, no, this is, this is right, this is right. You know, we, we, we know this is this is the right path. And we didn't once pull out our map. We were so certain crossing that river that this is so clearly where the trail is. It has to be. It looks so much like, like the trail. And we had walked on it for so long and convinced ourselves, even as it started looking more and more like this is not the right path, we had continued to convince ourselves that we were on the right path. And two hours later, we find ourselves scrambling up the rocks to try to get to a high point because we had realized we were lost, helplessly lost. And what we thought was the trail and what looked so clearly like a trail was actually just a tributary of the river, a place where the river maybe once cut through uh, or a little stream once cut through and had dried up. So it had a nice spread through the vegetation, cleared out just like a trail. And it looked right, so we didn't consult our map because it looked right. And we went that way, and we continued that way. And before we knew it, we were hopelessly lost because we stopped relying on our map and we started relying on what we thought looked so clearly to be true. Believers, how many times in our lives do we find ourselves deceived by something that sounds right by something that looks right, but we don't compare it against the word of God. We stray from the Bible in favor of something that looks good, that sounds good, that must be true, because it, it makes sense to us. But if it's not of the word of God, it doesn't line up to the word of God, then we will find ourselves helplessly lost. Now, as you know, I'm standing here today, so my friend Ben and I, we were able to turn around and, and recount our steps and, and get back on the right path. But it wasn't, it wasn't without some cut-up ankles, uh, scrapes and bruises from trying to cut through parts of the mountain that shouldn't have been walked. Believers, let us not be deceived by something that sounds good. Let us not be deceived by human wisdom 
by wisdom that relies on our own human understanding and not on the word of God. Let us not be deceived by human cunning, by a path that may sound right to us, but leads only to destruction. Mature believers should not be deceived in the way that immature believers are deceived. When we follow the path of the world and the belief systems and the philosophies of the world and depart from what God says, then we have become hopelessly lost. But mature believers are equipped by God's word and by the unity of the church to be on guard against deception. This leads me to my second point. We are equipped to speak the truth in love to grow in every way. So look here, look here at verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Now notice you say, Andrew, that's your second point, but you literally just took word for word what Paul said. Yep, yep, that's kind of the idea. (laughs) But it's important to see what Paul is doing, right? He is weaving the theme of church unity all throughout this passage. Now, it's hard for me not to spend my whole time, my whole sermon here, talking only about truth and love. In fact, I think both of those are elements that our society is currently running from. And again, our society, we are losing the concept of truth and we are losing the concept of love. But truth and love, that's not even Paul's main point here in verse 15. The command, look at the action verb here. The command is for us to grow in every way. Speaking the truth in love is is a clause at the beginning. It's a necessary instruction of how we are supposed to carry about the command. We are supposed to grow in unity and we do so by speaking the truth in love. And how can we have unity apart from love? How can we claim to call one another brothers and sisters, but not speak lovingly to them? Or maybe better yet, how can we claim to call each other brothers and sisters and speak unlovingly about one another in the church? How can we gossip about one another? How can we speak ill of one another in the church? That cannot happen. We have to be unified and be unified in love. But also, we have to be a unified body that's built on truth because you can't unify around a lie. If we exchange the truth of God for a lie, if our unity here in the church is a body of Christ, if our unity is built on a lie, then we're like the man who built his house on sand. And the house that's built on sand crumbles at the first sign of pressure. So you have to have both truth and love. Both truth and love are necessary for the growth of the believer, for the growth of the believer in unity in the church. Now notice the way Paul speaks of this growth. It's growth in every way. This is a symmetrical growth. This is not an asymmetrical growth where we only grow in certain areas or we only grow in areas that we're already comfortable with. Spiritual maturity means we grow in every way. 
It means that spiritual maturity means it encompasses every area of our lives. One thing I notice sometimes is, is how people talk about their spiritual lives as if somehow that's a separate category from the rest of your life. Brothers, there's no category for believers who are mature in their spiritual life, but immature in the rest of your lives. Your spiritual life is your life. To grow in every way means we grow as a well-rounded believer. We grow in the knowledge of Christ. We grow in our emotions and our affections towards him. We grow in unity with one another. We grow in discipline. We grow in every way. We cannot have partial growth. We cannot grow in areas that we're already comfortable with. We cannot grow only in the areas that we, we feel benefit us. But spiritual growth, spiritual maturity means growing in every way. Brings me to the last point. We are equipped for maturity for the purpose of unity in the church for the glory of God. In verse 16, the last verse in this passage, uh, I think this is arguably the most difficult sentence that Paul has ever written, just grammatically, syntactically. <laughs> so much so that the, the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones states that it's tempting even to su suggest that Paul became muddled for once and that his heart ran away with his head and he got so excited about what he was writing that he forgot what he was saying in the first place. However, as Martin Lloyd-Jones would go on to infer, Paul is wrapping up his argument and he is so concerned with not leaving any bit out that he gives us a very involved sentence. Look here. Speaking of Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Sentence may be an English teacher's nightmare, but there's a beautiful truth here, right? In a very complicated sentence, a very much a run-on sentence, this is a beautiful truth here. Notice, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grip so that it builds itself up in love. Brothers and sisters in the church, may we not view our lives as so distinct, so independent from those around us that we miss that church unity means we rely on each other. That bond joined together by every joint with which it is equipped that is the bond between believers as we are equipped by Christ. And Christ is the head of the body. We are all the parts of the body. But growing in unity as one body with Christ as the head is both what equips the believer and it is also the very thing, the very purpose that the believer is equipped to do. This passage is a passage about spiritual maturity. 
but for a very specific purpose. Spiritual maturity for the purpose of unity in the church. Church, we are, we are nothing if not united for Christ. We are nothing if not united for Christ. So unity in the church means that I don't view this room as, as a collection, as, as, as merely a collection of individuals. But I view us as one body. Christ is the head, Christ as the leader of that body. But we are dependent on one another. For, for spiritual growth, we're dependent on each other for maturity and continued maturity. Right? Do you see how this is, this is almost cyclical, right? That we are, we are equipped in maturity by the church for unity in the church to then equip more brothers and sisters in the church and how this, this verse, this passage really sets up a cycle of mature believers in unity for the sake of unity, equipping other believers for unity. I'll end with a story here. When I was about eight years old, uh, I went to a Braves game. The Braves were playing the Astros. I don't remember who won that game. But I do remember one thing, Chipper Jones was there. And I was eight years old and Chipper Jones was the man, okay? Now, I, I was just me and my dad at this baseball game. And I don't know what was going through my mind. Uh, we were probably eight rows up over on the first base side. Over on the third base side, I see Chipper Jones giving autographs. This before the game starts. I, in, my mind, in my defense and in my mind, I, I thought that I must have probably told my dad where I was going and I, or that he surely would have noticed and followed behind me. But I beelined it to the other side of the stadium to try to meet Chipper Jones, and I did. And in the meantime, I lost my, my way. I lost where my father was. Long story short, I met some really nice people. And those really nice people helped, helped me until finally, over the intercom, you hear, you hear the words, we're looking for a Brad Crawford. It's my father. I can't imagine the embarrassment that must have been. See, these people I met were nice. They didn't have to be nice to me, but they were good people. They helped me find my way back when I got lost. They helped me find my way back to my father when I lost my way. Church, let's be a church like that. That's not, I'm, this is not a story about a church, it's a story about a baseball game. But let's be a church that acts in that way. That we are united and that when, when one part of the body stumbles, when one part of the body falls away, we bring them back. We restore them. A church that helps one another. A church that works together towards the discipleship of believers. A church that works together towards the spiritual maturity of other believers. Let us be invested 
in the lives of one another. Let us be concerned with the well-beings of one another. One of my favorite parts about Sunday night service is, is that we spend at least half of it just praying for the needs of other, other members in the body. God, I thank you that we are united in that way. To pray for one another. To be concerned with the well-being. To be concerned with, with the lives of, of, of those around us. That just as Paul writes, we are one body joined and held together by every joint from which it is equipped. And that we would take on that role. Each part working properly, that we would do our part, making the body grow to build itself up in love. God, I pray that that would be this church. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, you have given your word to the church to build up the church, God. We, we thank you for this. We pray that we would be a united church we pray that we would be a church invested in the spiritual maturity of those around us, invested in the discipleship of those around us. Pray that we would be a church that is invested in equipping in one another, that we would be united in truth and in love. God, we pray these things in your name, amen. You're dismissed.